Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Start with the Twins winning in general, but then let's get to Byron Buxton and his slump. Because we have Roy Smalley here who can analyze Byron Buxton's slump. We have Lavelle Neal who can uh, who can analyze Roy's analysis of Byron Buxton's slump. We'll do all that here on Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and thank you for listening. Thanks also to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to our sponsors, Perfect Ash and TSR Injury Law. So let, let's start big picture here. The Twins are playing very well. They're on pace for like 98, 100 victories. Uh, they've won a bunch of series in a row. They are winning close games. They are winning low-scoring games. Is what they're doing right now sustainable? Let's start with Lavelle today. That's a great question. I think that since they are in the American League Central Division, that is definitely sustainable. I view the Twins as a threat to win the division at this point, based on what I've seen so far. Um, the progress that the starting pitching has made. Well, actually, the entire pitcher staff from the starters through the bullpen, you know, finding a, a, a role for Griffin Jacks to be functional or Cody Stashak. Um, the rise of Joan Duran as a closer. Um, um, the function, uh, the functional uh, Emilio Pagan. Um, I think just think that the uh, this pitcher staff is good enough to compete in that division, and I think the Twins have an incredibly. It's a right now. It's a top heavy batting order. Um, you got four really talented hitters with Buxton, Polanco, Arias, and Correa leading that off, and then once you start getting con- contributions from Kepler, Sanchez, Ur- Urshela. And anything from Jeffers, and it, it, the offense really looks, you know, functional. And but you know, it, it's that bottom half has to be a little more consistent. But I just think there's enough from this team, based on what they're facing in the division with the, with the with the Royals, the Cleveland Indians, and the Detroit Tigers, that they should d- dominate those three teams all year and have decent success against the White Sox. I just, I think the division can be won by this squad. What do you think, Roy? Yeah, I think uh, all of the above. I, I am uh, I, I'm a little bit more um, not concerned, but uh, with but want to see a little more offense from the lineup. And Lavelle's suggestion about the back half of the lineup is the right one. That's why you know several uh, shows ago um, I uh, mentioned that I think. Max Kepler is such a key to this lineup. Uh, if Kepler uh, has a has a big year, if he he steps forward and be as the hitter that you know we're kind of expecting him to be at some point, then all of a sudden uh, the whole lineup gets a lot better. Um, and I think they've got some real potential with Kirilov and Larnick. And, you know, Kyle Garlick, if it has to be a platoon situation or if 
Kirloff and or Larnick step up, you know, then, you know, I think things are, the lineup is, is going to be, um, it is going to be pretty good, but the way it concerns me, the way they're swinging the bats right now, Bucks is not swinging it well. Polanco is not swinging it the way uh, he can. And um, if to Lavelle's point about how good the first four guys are, um, if, if those two, when those two guys don't hit, uh, then you, then it's two to one ball games. It's four to two ball games with a home run in the 10th against it, you know, it, and um, I am concerned enough about the pitching to, I'm not concerned if this lineup hits the way I expected them to hit. Uh, I am concerned about the pitching staff over 162 games if they need to win games scoring four runs or less all the time. Yeah, that is the concern, and uh, let's get to it now. Byron Buxton is in a horrific slump. He hit a couple balls hard on Wednesday. We're recording this on Thursday morning. Uh, And one of the hallmarks of a great hitter is being able to limit slumps, be able to break out of slumps. We, and we have had great examples of that here in Minnesota. Uh, Justin Morneau was a master at it. Uh, Paul Molitor, master at it. And, and really the same for the same reason. They would let the ball travel. They would hit the ball the other way. They would hit the ball up the middle. They'd get back to really basics. They'd get a couple of singles. And then they would go back to kind of manipulating at bats to get the pitch they wanted. Uh, I don't know if Byron is – I don't know if he's doing it right now. I don't know if that's the way his mind works. Uh, Roy, why don't you break him down for us right now? Well, there's a lot uh, you know, to that. Uh, um, your point about how the really good hitters got out of slumps, I, I, I always – and your examples are great, uh, and that's exactly what they did, hitting the ball up the middle of the opposite field just to watch the ball longer. I'll go back in time. Ty Cobb said he used to bunt his way out of slumps, and that, does, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean in the game. That meant – he would take. He would not swing at batting press. He just bunt. He had guys throw to him at regular speed, and he would, he would just bunt, just getting himself to watch the ball longer. Ted Williams, arguably the best hitter the game's ever seen, uh, went through slumps too. And and I talked with him one time, and I said, "What did you do?" And I've I've subsequently read about him talking about. I'd choke up on the bat, and I'd get up on the plate, and I'd try to ram the ball back up back through the middle. Um, and here's the one of the one of the best hitters and greatest pull hitters uh, of all time. But and that's what he did. You don't see players do that now. Players nowadays don't do anything drastically different. They they said, you know, if I just keep doing things right, the way this is the way I swing, and eventually it'll it'll come around. And you know that's that's a that's a different that's a different mindset. So I don't know if if. Buck or anybody else, uh, other than maybe Arise, uh, ha- who who hits this way that way all the time. I don't I don't know that any hitter these days, with the exception of guys like uh, Lemayhew, uh, is a guy that will uh, that will do that a lot. I mean, there's you, you can count on one hand the guys that it appears would would do something different in order to get themselves back on the ball again, get their swing back on plane. Speaking of being on plane. The issue that Byron's always going to have, uh, he is that he has a, uh, a, a sweep swing. He doesn't have a bat head stays in the zone a long time kind of swing that we, like we talk about, you know, great hitters, um, uh, a Joe Mauer type of swing who, 
who could they those guys can get hits uh, when they're not feeling as uh, as good because uh, they they had the ability to have the ball travel a long way and and keep the bat head in the zone as they're swinging a long time and that would that would result in hits. Byron doesn't do that. Byron's got a a sweep swing. The the mitigating factor to that is that he has incredible bat speed. I mean, just incredible. And so he makes up for uh, the fact that he, he, he wants to hit the ball left field primarily and his bat, his big end of the bat is in and out of the zone quickly and, and uh, at the ball. And he is at the ball. I mean, there's, I, I can't find fault with, uh, with him just because you know, guys with bat speed like that and strength, you know, the, the way the ball jumps off his bat, I mean, it's hard to find fault with, with guys because he's going to get back in streaks where he's starting to uh, let the ball travel a little bit more. I don't think he's going to change the swing. I think he'll let the ball travel a little bit more and and he'll he'll get it back but slumps are going to be difficult for him because of because of that and you know he he is the 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 problem that i've had not the problem that i've had the issue that byron has had in this slump is that he's missing a lot of pitches that he would normally crush Mm -hmm. that's the case with most slumps but in this case it it kind of points out you know when he with his you know, sweeping the sweeping the bat through the zone um, rather than back at the ball or you know in the center of the diamond, um, you are gonna you are gonna miss some pitches, and then you get you get a little anxious, and you and you're trying to pull fastballs, and then you then you miss the breaking balls. I've seen him miss three or four breaking ball strikes. If you remember last year, I think, and I don't know the numbers now, but I think even historically. Uh, breaking ball strikes, he hits at an unbelievably crushing rate. And mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, he is not in this streak. He's, he's either you know taken breaking ball strikes, swung and missed bad breaking balls, or just fouled back you know, pitches that, that normally he, he crushes. And I just think that's an indication of, <clears throat> of the kind of, uh, kind of swing that, uh, that he has. No doubt. Uh, Lavelle, you, you and I both know Byron a long time. How do you think he's handling this? I don't think he's putting too much pressure on himself. You know, I still remember uh, when Buxton first came up and, and, and talking to Torrey Hunter about him. Torrey swore up and down that Buxton was going to be um, a very productive player in, in baseball because he said Buxton has the ability to make adjustments when he needs to make them. And I think um, you, you're seeing him try to make adjustments to what's going on with him. Um they're playing them to pull ex- extreme. They're playing them to extreme pull side right now. But uh, there's been two or three times the last couple of games where he's tried to take that pitch to center field and right center field, and um, I think he actually hit one ball very well. I think he ended up on a warning track to about 400 feet away to just right of center field uh, two days ago. So he is he is trying to um, you know see the ball, let it travel a little bit, and put a good swing on it. Um, uh, I know we're not really used to seeing this because Buck's, Buck's, Buck doesn't miss a lot of pitches. Usually when he gets a pitch in a hit of a zone, he's putting the bat on the ball. And um, that has to happen a lot during the stretch. I think he's gone like six games now without a hit. So that bad average has dropped from like 250-something to like almost 200 now. Um, I 
I, for some reason, I'm just not worried. I just think that he's going to figure something out here and get back to being an offensive threat. Also, you know, it was inevitable that he's probably going to get pitched tougher. Um, you know, teams are going to try to see if he gets himself out, tr- uh, try to hide fastballs from him, try to throw balls off the plate to get him to chase. You know, he's got to he's got to stick to what he knows well and, and and see the ball just let his mechanics take over and um, and, and put a swing on good pitches um, because. Uh, teams are going to be more careful with him, and that's and that's supposed to actually fuel the rest of the the batting order because the the guy batting behind Buck, uh, either Polanco or or Arise, you know, uh, if Buck's going to start walking and taking having good at bats, getting on base, and you know that helps the other the guy behind him in the batting order succeed. So I, I. <laughs> I'm not that troubled right now with what's going on um, with him. And I, I think he'll get it figured out sooner or later. Sooner I'm with later. you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, I'm always reminded of uh, when I talked to Kirby Puckett when he was in a slump, he'd say, Sue, it means somebody's going to pay. And uh, I think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think Byron will make some people pay here uh, fairly soon. Uh, this is part you know, of talk. I think or- a, if, I, I'm sorry to if you know, Go ahead, Roy. I think there's an important um, – uh, um, you know, thing that we we need to look at. Um, <clears throat> Byron is a, is a uh, is a feel hitter. Uh, we saw that to Lavelle's point. Uh, you know, we've seen it over time where there was a leg kick and then there was no leg kick, and finally, and and different thing. You try to hit the ball to right field, don't hit whatever it was, and he finally just settled in and said, "This is the way I hit. I'm just going to hit that way." And <clears throat> and I think that's although. I think I think Lavelle is right. He may be trying to do some other, you know, some other things to to get himself, you know, out of this. It's it's not going to change uh, an awful lot. His swing is kind of his swing, and, and I feel the same way the two of you guys do that that somebody's going to pay. I mean, he's going to have he's he's going to come back and have a month where he's the best player in baseball. But I think one of the things that we're seeing that we've seen all along is uh, his. His the being prone to injury, and now they're you know trying to rest him here and there. For a feel hitting guy like that, that's really tough. And so you the combination of I've got a swing that is not conducive to get uh, to being able to get a lot of singles to get me out of a slump. You know, certain ways I'm just going to keep you know basically swinging the way I swinging the way I swing. And oh, by the way, I'm either hurt and miss. You know, I'm I'm hot. I'm out for ten days. Now I'm not. Uh, now I'm I'm banged up a little bit, and they're going to play me two games and rest me a, a a day. And that's not conducive to a guy that's a field hitter that's got a swing like like he's got. So yeah, I think that he will he will get healthy and he'll be playing a lot and he'll find it and he'll just go off. But I, I just think that there are a lot of, uh, of different variables with, with his swing and his uh, playing time and different things that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think we, we're going to see streaks out of, out of uh, Buck. I, don't, I just don't, I don't see him um, being uh, in and out of the lineup and, or, uh, or going through, you know, hot streaks that don't follow, get followed up with some, you know, some, some tough, you know, some, some tough streaks. I, I just think that's the way it's going to be. 
And that's why I thought it was really interesting that they've been talking about not DHing him and giving him full days off. And then I saw, like, I was there Monday night and Buck was in the cage late at night working on his swing. And then Wednesday he ends up DHing. And I think it was just simply because they, he just wants to get at bats. He wants to get out of this thing, uh, even though swing, you know, from what I'm told, does hurt his knee. So it's, it's going to be a fascinating thing to see them try to to manage here. More on Buck, more on Kirilov, Larnick, Garlic, some other uh, key players for the Twins. Do want to thank our sponsor, Perfect Ash, where Lavelle Neal spends a lot of time. That's right, folks. And um, the the amount of cigars that the Perfect Ash has to offer is endless. You can get Liga Pravada, Crux, Arturo Fuente, Oliva, La Flor Dominicana, Alec Bradley, Christoph, Tabernacle, The Wise Man. You can find any brand. They have 340 different types of cigars at the Perfect Ash in a in a reg- uh, the relatively new humidor and also a very fine smoking lounge to sit down, relax, watch television, watch twins games and uh, pontificate on things like Byron Bucks and swing. So check it out. The perfect cash located in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Thanks also to TSR injury law. We did the John Krasinski show from their new offices, their new spacious, beautiful offices, top two floors of a, uh, what I would call an elite uh, office building down there in South Bloomington. Uh, Steve Terry's view is incredible. Uh, you get the top two floors by winning a lot of cases for your clients. We don't want you to be injured. We don't want you to need their help. But if you are injured, you want good help and they will help you. They will not charge you unless they win your case. 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. And thanks again to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of Minnesota Twins and presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at talknorth.com. By the way, we recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can listen to any shows across the network that way. Uh, So they do need to get better offensively. And maybe some of that comes with warmer weather and some guys getting hot. uh, You know, obviously uh, Correa has started to get hot now. Rise has been great lately. Uh, What do you think of Larnik, Kirilov, Garlic? Three guys who could play left field. Garlic, obviously, they want to play mostly against left-handed pitching. But Larnick put a charge into one on Wednesday. Uh, he's going to have to hit for power to be a regular big leaguer. And if he swings like that, he's got a chance to do it. And is there a chance that Kirilov gets left behind at all if he doesn't start producing? Let's start with Roy on this one. It's hard for me to say that Kirilov's ever going to be left behind because I, I he's hit everywhere he's been. He's hit in the big leagues. Um and his swing, you know, speaking of his swing mechanics, it just is is very, very solid. You never know ultimately, you know, whether a hitter with a great, even a great swing is going to make the adjustments to how big league pitchers are pitching, uh, uh, pitching them. Um, that that goes beyond mechanics and, and swing quality and all that kind of thing. It gets to a lot of the things. But I... I <clears throat> He could be left behind this year uh, if a platoon of um, you know, Garlic and uh, Larnick uh, are really producing. I mean, he, he he's not going to come back. He's not going to move guys that are that are producing. And and Garlic's been terrific against left-handers. And I think Larnick can hit both. I think Kirilov can hit both. But we're they're in a season, right? I mean, there's a situation here in this season where. You know they need offense. They need guys that are swinging the bat, and uh, I think Kirilov's chance is is going to be 
is only going to be he's swinging it really well in AAA. Doesn't deserve to be there. And we got there's we we have a, a hole up here. That we need to get Karoloff up here to try and uh, try and fill one of the one of the real uh, negatives for Kirilov, you know, no no fault of his, but it, it has been the play of Luis Arise at first base. Uh, we all, yeah. you know, raised eyebrows, and you know, when he first went over there, it's like, what the heck? I mean, that's that is not the prototypical you know, first baseman, you know, either by offense or what we've seen defensively. But but he's acquitted himself just fine over there, and he's hitting three sixty or whatever it is, and and so that eliminates one spot for uh, Kirilov. And now he's, now he's in competition with um, what's the best outfield, Kepler, Buxton, and then a combination of Lardick and Garlic, and occasionally D. Gort, uh, <laughs> uh, Nick Gordon. And um, so, I mean, it's it, because of injuries and because of other stuff, I mean, he's, he's a little bit behind the eight ball right now. I think he's going to be – I think he's a major league hitter. But you can't just say, okay, he's going to be a major league hitter. Let's get him up here and not play the guys that are swinging it well. How do you see it playing out, Lavelle? Uh, I think um, I think Kirilov can hit his way back into the majors. In fact, I think he's hitting over 300 for the Saints right now since uh, he's gone down. Um, I think he had four hits in like one of his first or either his first or second game down there. Um, they haven't seen a lot of power, though. Um, he's going to have to prove that that wrist is not going to be a problem uh, for him. Um, he's got to continue to hit well. And, uh, and and maybe uh, rack up some doubles and home runs to convince the Twins to give him another shot. I still view him as a view future, you know, uh, key in the in the in the batting order. Uh, but the thing is, you got to give Warnick a lot of credit because he kind of looked overmatched a lot of times last year um, at the plate. And uh, once he proved he could hit a fastball, they did not throw him a fastball, and it made things even tougher on him. But it seems like he's got a better plan at the plate right now, and he's able to uh, to hit mistakes. And he's able to drive the ball, and uh, garlic is uh, garlic is an interesting character because he matches left-handers, but he absolutely clobbered uh, a pitch from a right-hander. I think it was Scott Barlow, the Royals, uh, for his last home run. So uh, he's an intriguing guy because he's kind of, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think with the Cal Poly. San Luis Obispo, one of those Cal Poly schools, you know, and uh, and he wasn't really a big time prospect, but you know, here he is. And if he could stay healthy, it looks like he could be a platoon guy with Larnick. So um, ride to platoon until until Kirilov forces his way into the mix. Uh, I haven't given up on Alex. I think he's got a great swing. I think he's got a good approach, um, but he's got to you know feel comfortable up there with uh, with the wrist and the twins have to feel comfortable that uh, he's going to come to the majors and be productive. So it may take a while. Um, and we talk about how the offense needs to be uh, needs to produce. It's going to get to a point here where uh, Rocco's going to have to make the decision whether they're going to call Kirilov up for the better part of the offense, or just say, "I'm going to ride this platoon out for the rest of the season and try to reset things with Kirilov in 2023." Because um, I think it, uh, on the list of things to do for the Twins right now is to try to get that offense to be a little more robust and a little more productive. Well, what do you Thanks, do? Sir. What do you do with it? You want to bring Kirilov up? Let's say he's crushing the ball down there, and so is Larnick, and, and so is the platoon. I mean, who do you send down? Who, who does who does Kirilov replace? That's I'm looking at that and going, I, I just don't. I mean, it's going to have to be it's going to have to be pretty stark that okay, this isn't working up here. We got to get Kirilov up here to save the day. I mean, I, you're I right. 
I, I don't, I don't see, I, yeah, he can hit his way back. I, he, I think he's a big league hitter, all those kinds of things. It's just, I mean, we're into June here just about. And, uh, you know, now you, you look, you're trying to, you're trying to win ball games, and, and, you know, Rocco has got to ride, you know, the guys that are producing, not the guys that they think are going to produce over time right at this, at this particular moment. The other thing is they've been through a streak. They started out the season, and we, we talked about it, really tough schedule. They played some really good teams, you know, early, early on. Then they get into uh, where they've played uh, Baltimore and Kansas City. <laughs> And yeah. Detroit, Kansas City, and Detroit aren't playing well. You know, it, I mean, they're, clearly this has been a good part of uh, Oakland. You know, can't hit at least they couldn't when they were. You know, when the Twins played them. So, you know, you see the two to one, three to two, you know, kind of games against teams that that really aren't you know aren't very good. And there's going to come. You know, there are will be other stretches where they're playing the White Sox and they're playing Houston and they're and they're playing the East and um, you know, it, they, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get the guys that can hit rolling and they're going to get, have to have the guys that they hope are going to hit, uh, hitting, uh, as well. I mean, this is good on them that they hit a part, a, a streak, a, a piece of the schedule where they're a better team than they, than the other teams that they're playing and they, and they, uh, thumped them pretty well. Good for them. That's how you win a division. You know, uh, Roy, the, the, I'll go ahead. No, that's it. Now, you know, um, the other thing, too, we talk about when to call Kirilov up, uh, the way things are going with the squad, um, the moves are going to kind of working themselves out because, I mean, good grief, Joe Ryan's on the COVID list. I mean, just when you think that, you know, they can get some stability going on with that rotation, they got another guy that's out. It, it just They've used, what, 42 players, I believe, uh, so far this year, and uh, 15, 16 different pitchers or something like that. It's it's ridiculous what's been going on with the squad here. So um, we could sit here and fantasize about when's a good time to bring up Kirilov, but they may have to, they may have no other choice at some point because someone gets injured or someone just goes into a hellacious slump or someone gets ill and has to go on the injury, uh, go on the sick list. So I, um, you, you never know with the squad. Well, right. But that's, that's the answer to the question. The, the, the question being, how does Kirilov get back up here? Kirilov gets back up here by, by swinging it really well in triple A and somebody gets hurt or sick. Um, that that's, and then he, then he's got to, then he's got, he, he puts the other guys behind him and, and he's got to be the one to suggest Rocco says, I can't take him out of the lineup. I got to do something else. I have a follow-up thought on this. Do want to thank the start, the, uh, talk North team, our producer, Brandon Morton and our sales executive, Karen Cleary. If you'd like to advertise with the talk North show, uh, and the chin music program during this really fun twin season. You can reach Karen at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. And thank you for listening to talknorth.com. We do appreciate it. I will say this, um, for a couple of years there, ever since they brought, you know, ever since they brought them up to play in a playoff game, what I had been hearing around the clubhouse from twins people was, man, can't wait for this guy to be in the lineup. Can't wait for this guy to be in the lineup. He's going to be so good. This is the first month or so where what I'm hearing is, man, he's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot to prove. It's, there is a change in tone about Kirilov at this point in his career. It, it really is time for him to step forward and, and, and prove himself. I think. Yeah, yeah I agree. I get- That's the only way, the only way he's going to, he's going to uh, get up here and be a fixture is for someone to give him an opening for him to be swinging the bat. Well, someone to give him an opening and then he'd never look back. That's, 
you know, that's, I mean, we're at a point now where, uh, I mean, this is not a rebuilding season. This is, nope. this is not, let's get all the young guys out there and, and just let them go through their lumps. And this is, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna win the division season. And it's going to be, you know, the, the best guys are, are going to be out there. Hey, Lavelle, you wrote about Louis Arise the other day. I want to get both of your takes on just what makes him so successful. By the way, he looks great this year. He looks like he's leaned up. Uh, he's moving really well. He's running really well. And, of course, the swing is, is magical. So uh, tell me what you're seeing out of Arise. Oh man, I just I see guys locked in. He's taking fantastic at bats. Um, uh, he was absolutely robbed over the weekend uh, against the Royals when all three pitches that were called strikes were out outside the zone, um, especially with runners on base. Uh, but uh, you know, there's there's always like the loose comparisons to Carew's swing, and he swings the bat like it's a wand and everything, and that's been out there. I, I just I just see a guy who um, you know is comfortable with the style of hitting he has. Um, he doesn't try to hit home runs. I know his second year he was talking about hitting home, more home runs and the tune was like, no, 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 stick with what you do well. You know, um, he could turn on one. He almost had a home run the other day. I think it hit off the uh, Casota stone in right field. Um, but uh, if they pitch him inside, he could pull it. If they pitch him away, he could slice it to, to, um, to left. Um, he could hit high velocity right back up the middle. You know, he's hard to shift against. He's, basically a walking talking shift buster um and to me he's as as important as some other guys in that lineup um he has earned that and i if you guys don't if you guys remember he was not an open day lineup i mean i think the plan for him was to play maybe four times a week and move around you know play a little second maybe some third uh maybe dh but as things have transpired because of injuries and urshela looking pretty solid at third and 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 sano going down and uh, opening up a spot at first and plus the offense scuffling, they've needed his, his bat in the lineup every day and he has responded. So, um, you know, just think once, you know, if Polanco Buxton Correa and, and the rise are all swinging well at the same time, you know, those four can carry a team for a couple of weeks. So um, I, I, I just think he needs to be held in that regard. Lavelle, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was Lavelle. Uh, Roy, you're a resident hitting expert. Uh, what we, makes we all sound alike. I know uh, what what makes uh, Arise so effective. All of the things that we, you know, Lavelle just said, and the things that we talked about in the past, it, it, he's got an approach that uh, where he knows where the big end of the bat is, and and he knows how to get the big end of the bat to the ball. We talk about you know the the big end traveling, you know, staying in the zone a long time. I mean, he he is the poster uh, child for that, and. And he knows how to get the big end of the bat to the ball, letting the ball travel a long ways. That is that is a skill. That's a mindset and and ultimately a skill that very few people have. And you see why people strike out uh, is because their contact point in their mind's eye is out in front of the plate because that's how they know how to catch up with a big league fastball on the big end of the bat. It's not back over the plate. And consequently, you're going to get fooled by breaking balls. You're not going to be a good two-strike hitter. You're going to miss you know, foul back pitches that you ought to hit. <clears throat> he does none of those things uh, because of his mindset of being able to let the ball travel because he knows that he has the ability to still – get the big end of the bat on the ball 
um, e even waiting longer than most guys do. Consequently, when you're waiting that long, you're letting the ball travel, you're looking at it a long time, your eye of the plate gets better and better and better. And I will tell you that what uh, they should just let the umpire go take a seat for a little while behind the plate uh, when he's up there because he knows this he knows the strike zone and sees the ball better than umpires do. He, I mean, if he if he takes a pitch, unless it's obviously he's just got a uh, brain cramp and gets fooled and takes one down the middle. If if he takes a close pitch, it's a ball, and the the combination of him not swinging at bad pitches. Uh, his ability to let the ball travel and therefore be a, a, an excellent two-strike hitter. Uh, the only thing left was what I saw last year, and I, and I, and I said I think pitchers are going to have to start pounding him inside and pitching him up because he hits everything else. If you do a little uh, upside-down L up the inside corner of the plate and across the top of the strike zone, that's where he was going to have trouble. And they started pounding him in there. And then he started, he had a home run. He started trying to pull everything, started getting uh, a little bit leery, uh, conscious of them pitching him in, uh, and then had to get back to what he does well. This year, he's taken it, in my opinion, it looks to me like he's taken the next step to say, okay, they're going to try to pitch me in. I don't care about that so much because one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to look for the ball in there, I'm going to pound it to my pull field, and set, or the ball is going to be off the plate, and I don't swing at that pitch. I, I don't, you know, just they can't pitch me in there all day long because they're not good enough to throw it on the corner all the time. And those fastballs, if I'm looking for it, I'm going to hit it. If it leaks back over the middle of the plate, I'm going to hit it. Uh, I don't care about taking that pitch because I'm a good two strike hitter. I mean, it, he's becoming the comp a, a complete high average hitter, you know, for all of those reasons. Good stuff. Uh, let's get a quick final thought from each of you. Once again, thank you to Corona. Thanks to Perfect Ash. And thanks to TSR Injury Law. And, of course, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Check out uh, Dave Lee of WCCO fame. He has a new show on the network. We have Mike Grimm on the Go Gopher podcast. We've added Nate Prosser. Uh, the Pross Box, which should be a lot of fun. We have tons of good outdoor content and variety content. And uh, thanks for being a part of it all. Uh, Lavelle, last thought. Uh, here's a thought. I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I really like what uh, Gio Urshela has brought to this team. He's come over from the Yankees where he was a fan favorite, and he has shown a lot of re give, show, provided a lot of reasons why he was such a fan favorite. He's, he's, he's not just steady in the field. He makes some great plays at third. He's got great reactions there, great feet, great coordination. And he can hit a little bit, too. And he's willing to drive the ball to opposite field. Um, uh, looks like he's a guy who's not going to, you know, fade in, in big games. You know, it's probably the Yankees experience that's helping him out there. Um, that was a solid pickup. I did not know what to make of it the day he was tr traded over here with Gary Sanchez. You know, I thought that, you know, Jose Miranda would be a third eventually. So maybe Rochelle would just be a stopgap, someone who would be moved at the trade deadline to make room for someone like Miranda. But. You know, um, the only thing is the Twins can use some offense right now. Um, but I'm in a good lineup. I mean, he's a great guy to have in a lineup, uh, regardless if the offense is purring or not purring, because he's going to hit occasionally and he's going to play great defense. I just, I just really like him as a as a solid player, um, uh, who's a positive influence in the clubhouse. Right. I'm going to finish with the uh, uh, talking about the pitching staff. Uh, again, just a little bit. And I, I know I said I'd 
I didn't know if they could keep this going, what they've done the last two months for another four. Uh, and I know I've said that I think the offense has got to get a lot better to support this pitching staff because I don't know that they can continue to win two to one, three to two, uh, yeah, three to one games. But I have to say this about the, the staff. I got to give them a lot of credit. This has not been a fluke uh, this year, the way they pitch. This is not throwing the ball down the middle and guys are just popping it up. Uh, every pitcher out there for the most part, and especially the, uh, the starters, uh, have uh, been successful uh, because they have pitched well. They, it's not that it, they've thrown multiple different kinds of pitches and and trajectories and speeds, and they've thrown them for strikes and they've thrown them for quality strikes. They've pitched all around the perimeter of the zone. Uh, they have not thrown the ball down the middle, uh, and uh, it, it has just been really, really solid. It's not. It, it has not been a fluke the way they the way they pitched for two months. You know, can they do it for another four? I mean, the answer would be, yeah, if they can, if they have the ability to continue to pitch on the uh, perimeters of the zone with multiple different uh, pitches, then yes, absolutely, they can continue to do that. Will will good hitters adjust a bit and give them some, some hard times? Yes. But day in, day out, if they pitch the way they have so far, can they beat good teams? Yes. So I, I, I don't want to be too uh, hard on the pitching staff by saying, boy, they can't, they can't keep this going. Uh, it's it's been remarkable that they've kept it going for two months, and if they keep it if they keep pitching the way uh, they pitch have pitched so far, then I'm going to have to say this is this is just the, they're just good. This is just the way this is the way they pitch. Thanks to Roy. Thanks to Lavelle. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, and the Twins by then will still probably be in first place. <laughs>